1: fantasy football today. DFS, my name is C Najad. This is your NFL divisional round. There's only a few weeks left, right? I am already lamenting the idea that we might not have football for, I don't know, seven to eight months, Mike. I I hate the Super Bowl for that reason because I know it's the punctuation mark on the season, which means we've got an offseason to look forward to. However, we got a really cool slate coming up. Mike, it's a four-game slate. How are you feeling about it?
2: I'm feeling really good about it, and I want to say I'm happy that DraftKings decided to give us a main slate that gave us all four games rather than splitting into the two and two. Uh, not that I don't like the two-game slates, so definitely winnable, but uh, I think it's really fun having to pick through these options here. Uh, yeah, and, and four really pretty compelling games.
1: Well, let's get it started. I, I don't think there's really any time that we need to waste here. Let's get into... What some people might think is is going to be the most exciting game, and it's certainly if you look at the game total, it certainly looks to be the, the game with the most fireworks. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars plus eight and a half at the Kansas City Chiefs. Jags coming off that amazing comeback. You know, Mike, it looked like they were going to get completely stomped. And they come back probably because they had some fire under them and probably because of some mistakes Uh, from the Los Angeles Chargers. So I think this is very interesting because we very well could be looking at a a Chargers Chiefs game and we're not. And and I just wonder what that spread would have been, what that game would have played out like. With that said, Chiefs a pretty big favorite here, eight and a half, 53 point total, like I said. I I mean, there's going to be fireworks here, right? My my question for you, Mike, is is who do you like on, on both sides of the ball? Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of like Patrick Mahomes a little bit, just considering how pass-heavy the offense still tends to be. We expect them to score a ton of points. Uh, so definitely lean in there. Jarek McKinnon, guy is scoring a touchdown in essentially every game, has a nice floor because of the upside that he provides in the passing game as well. Uh, so I think that those two are, are in play for sure. The guy that I'm higher on than the field by a meaningful margin, when I say meaningful margin, if you're familiar with like looking at a projection uh, you know, if you look at projections from any source, I have him five points higher than the medium projection across the industry. Um, and that's Kadarius Tony. I am mm-hmm. huge on Kadarius Tony in this game. Meikle Hardman has already been ruled out. Guy Moore will be available to return. However, I think that having the week off for Kansas City is still critical for Kadarius Toney finally getting him up to speed. I think they've developed packages for him. They will deploy them throughout the postseason here. Um, so he's one of my favorite receivers this week. Yeah. And Kadarius, Tony, he is all the way down there
1: at 4,100. We're going to be doing core plays at the end of this episode. So um, it's going to be the core four, kind of like what we did last week, Mike, I'm going to provide my core four as well, that there might be some overlap. And it sounds to me like Kadarius, Tony might be in your core four. It's interesting too, with Tony, because he's 4,100. It allows you to do a lot. I mean, there's there's not a ton of low-end options that we're going to want to play, particularly at the running back position. So I think the running back position, it's really hard to find out which two running backs people are are, are going to want to play or that I, I want to play for that matter. McKinnon, it sounds like he might be one of those running backs you want to play this week.
2: Yeah, I'm mostly going to have uh, Jarek McKinnon in there as one of the two. Uh, I don't expect to spend up at running back much at all, so uh, he'll definitely be there for me. Um, I think it's you don't have to stack them with Patrick Mahomes. I think you certainly can. Uh, I think it's a good way to attack most of Kansas City's offensive scoring if you want to do that. Um, yeah, and I see a question in the chat. Am I worried about Tony's lack of volume? I personally am not worried about it. I, I think that he's got a, not, a lot of upside. I think there are a number of players on this slate in the price range that will end with single-digit fantasy points. So I, I'm willing to take the risk on Tony. Uh, the upside that he possesses is pretty high, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, so Patrick Mahomes passing yards prop last time I checked in, Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was around 311 and a half. So that's a lot, right? And his pass completions are are in the mid to upper 20s. So I understand like the, the receiver core you don't really know week to week, but it does seem like Kadarius Tony is on an upper trajectory. And so, yeah, McKinnon's going to grab a couple, obviously Kelsey's going to get his handful of targets and catches, but it's really kadarius tony especially in the red zone where he might get like listen juju's going to get his work too but kadarius tony is that dynamic threat and and i just think at 4100 the upside is there and even if even if he has a floor game i don't think that's going to destroy your lineup
2: yeah, yeah, I'll mention quickly on Mahomes. Yeah, the prop now on DraftKings anyway is up to three fifteen and a half and a half on the passing wow. yards prop for Mahomes. Definitely, I, it might be the highest prop we've seen all season for any quarterback. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure. That I'm pretty it sure is. it is. I'm pretty sure it uh, is as well. So I, I see call, a lot of people calling the Jags upset, thinking the game will be more competitive. That is definitely, definitely the scenario where Canary's Tony will be more involved for sure. So let me ask you this, because
1: you know, we only have four games to play with, and this is the highest total. Is this where, you know, on this slate, so correct me if I'm wrong, normal slates, you have five lineups that you do. When it's a showdown, usually around three or if it's a two-game slate, it's around three lineups, I believe. How about this slate? How many lineups are you doing?
2: Yeah, this is a five-lineup slate for me, uh, just a normal, treated like a normal week. Um, exactly five lineups.
1: And are Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence in the majority of of any of those five lineups or in the majority of those five lineups?
2: Um, Not necessarily. Mahomes will definitely be in there. There's no chance Trevor Lawrence will make my player pool personally. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, Mahomes will definitely be there. It's going to be a toss up between him and Josh Allen.
1: And from a pass catching standpoint, we can't not talk about on the Kansas City side, Travis Kelsey, is he making it into your builds predominantly, or are you just not wanting to spend up the 7,700? And I say that, I think most people are like, oh, well, yeah, of course he's playing Travis Kelsey. Well, there's a lot of receivers we want to pay up for in other games, uh, particularly like Jamar Chase, for example, Um, you might want to pay up for an Eagles receiver, but there's receivers in that San Francisco game like CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, who's not super expensive at 5,900. Does Kelsey make it into most of those builds?
2: Uh, He does not. I actually don't have Travis Kelsey in my player pool as of right now. Okay, And on the Jacksonville side,
1: we know, you know, Travis Etienne, when this game, if it gets away from Jacksonville, we know he doesn't have much of a pass catching role. And he absolutely would have been phased out if they hadn't come back against the Los Angeles Chargers. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, maybe a dart with Marvin Jones. And of course, Evan Ingram is in the conversation. I think Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, especially if we go back to week 10 and watch what they did to Kansas City, they both were. Amazing. Outstanding. Got a ton of targets and very efficient on those targets. Got a bunch of yards. I like the discount that Zay Jones offers, but Christian Kirk at 6K is, is a reasonable price as well. Who do you favor in that matchup?
2: Um, honestly, the, my favorite Jags pass catcher is going to be Evan Ingram. Uh, I like playing him a lot in in this particular setup. As far as the, the wide receivers for the Jags, Zay Jones is the only one that's barely cracking the player pool for me. I don't mind Christian Kirk. I think he's got plenty of upside. Um, he's obviously shown it it, many times. It's more or less a price point issue for me. Uh, he's up to 6k, That's a pretty big difference, obviously, than say Zay Jones at forty-seven hundred. We've got Kadarius Tony down there at forty-one hundred. Gabe Davis in the Bills game forty-eight hundred. I mean, between Stefan Diggs at seventy-seven and Christian Kirk at six, it it, it's too close in my opinion. So I'm personally going to be on the side of fading Christian Kirk.
1: Gotcha, and and I'll tell you, I've built a few lineups already, and Zay Jones has made it into, well, I should say, I've only built two. Truly, um, Zay Jones did make it into one of them, and, and that was a Mahomes stack. It, it was what like I had two stacks here so far, and Mahomes was in one of them. I actually put Kelsey in that one, which I'm still kind of flirting with that idea. Kadarius Tony was in it. I could take Kelsey out, put McKinnon in. But the point I'm trying to make is, I like Zay Jones on the way back, just because I do want to have a runback option. I do think Zay Jones. Kansas City is not good at covering the receiver. Let's just get that out of the way. Whether it's the slot where Christian Cook likes to line up a good amount or the boundary receivers where Zay Jones and guys like Marvin Jones might be, they're these guys are going to get their cat they're going to get their work they're going to get their reception so it's Zay jones at 4700 he can be flat at sometimes but you can say the same thing about christian kirk there are games where christian kirk only has three or four catches and only a handful of yards so i may end up in a high scoring game taking the chance on zay jones i love the evan ingram call uh is that it on this game is there anybody else to bring up before we move to the giants and the philadelphia eagles
2: uh i don't think so it's just yeah it's mostly mckinnon and Kadarius tony for me here and right. evan ingram ingram yeah and if there's any questions about this game or
1: any others, uh, let us know in the chat. By the way, Garrett, I see you. King Noel Haslin, Wolfie30, I don't think I've seen you before, calling the upset Jags win. Okay, well, Wolfie, you'll have to come back next week. You've called your shot, so you're, you're going to have to let us know uh, how you're feeling after, uh, after that game actually gets played out. And by the way, hit the like button. Josh D, I see you as well and uh thank you for all the comments and let's see Garrett what do you have to say Garrett definitely less than an hour show yeah this this show's only going to go Garrett I know you're the timer of the show this show's only going to go like 30 to 40 minutes top so keep me honest make sure at, like halftime after this game that I'm on I'm on the track here Giants plus seven and a half at the Eagles it's a 48 point total I'll tell you for, for those of you that are members at Sportsline and I'm not going to give the pick away because I want it to be for the members at least in this case but I did put a pick in uh, effect uh, w- with respect to this particular game on a side or a total. So go check that out, again, if you're a Sportsline member. If you're not, it's like the cheapest find in all of uh, sports handicapping. It's just amazing. So go to Sportsline, check out all the DFS content that Mike provides across all sports. And then, of course, we have picks there, um, props against the spread, you name it. Okay, this one is really interesting to me. The one thing I do want to point out, because these two teams have played each other before, they played recently of course and that was a game where the giants didn't really roll out anybody but i do think it's important to note that the giants defense is a little healthier now than they were when they played the eagles that first time and even even the second time defensively specifically and then we have the jalen hurts thing where you know he's off the injury report but that doesn't really tell us anything right mike because I'm not saying he's still injured, but what I'm saying is if I'm the Eagles, I also take him off the injury report, whether he's injured or not. The last thing I want is the Giants to think he's still got an injury that that I can maybe aggravate during the game. With all of that said, I can see why people would like Jalen Hurts, his rushing potential, his passing potential. I kind of think this is going to be more of a, not clock management, but a, you know, more of a running game on both sides of the ball. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I certainly think it's going to try to be on the uh, on the Giants side. So last week with the Giants, we watched them throw the football a ton. That's because they're a very well coached team. And the way that you beat the Vikings is to throw the football here. I I think that they they're not going to try to necessarily get in a shootout. They want to keep this as low scoring as they can. That's going to be controlling the clock, running a lot more with Saquon Barkley. I expect his to be significantly higher this week than it was last week uh so i do like saquon barkley in this game he is the one running back spend up for me at this point currently um my favorite play in the game though is going to be on the philly side it's dallas goddard Uh, i love dallas goddard here the giants have shown how much they really struggle to defend the tight end position ranking 31st in the nfl in coverage to tight ends now, Goddard is certainly not T.J. Hawkinson, but he does have upside, um, and, and that's the way that you expose this defense. You've got the two great receivers on the outside. You've got Jalen Hurts' threat to run the football. It leaves a lot of Dallas Goddard open, in my opinion, in the spot, so Goddard, by far my favorite play in this game.
1: Now, let me ask you this. In a, in a, this is pertaining to Jalen Hurts and those pass catchers on the outside, or I shouldn't say the outside, because because Brown's going to play in the slot as well, but... The two builds that I did didn't really consider an Eagle stack. And I just wonder, is the industry kind of not playing the Jalen Hurts stack? And is that a reason to maybe, if you're building five lineups, for example, to have a Jalen Hurts stack or two with Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown or a double stack?
2: I think it is. I, I think it's valid. All the ownership projections I'm seeing now definitely indicate that they're going to be significantly underowned uh, on the Eagle side. Uh, I'm showing AJ Brown at 10%. I'm showing Devontae Smith at 4%. Um, I'm not showing anyone having interest. So, and and that's significant here because we're talking 10% on a four game slate. We're not talking 10% on a 12 or 14 game slate. Uh, That's a, that's a big deal. I don't think anyone's going to play them. Uh, I get it. If you want to go that route, Uh, it's just a hard, hard time playing them over Jamar Chase, Steph. In my opinion, uh, just because the volume is a little more certain, uh, the targets are definitely more certain in those games. Um, But yes, if you like the Eagles pass catchers, I definitely recommend playing a lineup where you stack them because the ownership will certainly, certainly be in your favor.
1: And before we transition to the Giants pass catchers, I do want to ask you about Miles Sanders and potentially a dart throw on Boston Scott if you just wanted to stack all the high-end receivers with perhaps um, one of the top quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Miles Sanders looks to be a, like a great matchup, but you never know with Miles Sanders, right? And then Boston Scott, he gets carries and he's only 4,300. And we know inside the red zone, inside the five, sometimes it is Boston Scott. Now, granted, it sometimes it's Jalen Hurts, sometimes they pass it, and sometimes it's Miles Sanders. But I do think... You could get lucky with some Boston Scott carries here against the Giants defense that isn't very good at stopping the run. Do you like either of those two plays? I
2: I like the Boston Scott call-out for sure. Um, Sanders is fine. I I think that Sanders is a decent pivot if you want to fade McKinnon or ETN. I think it's an okay pivot where you're just essentially betting that the touchdown luck falls in your favor there and and one of McKinnon or ETN don't score. Uh, I think it's certainly valid. Again, it's those things are way more valid on a four game slate than a 12 to 15. Uh, You only got to outscore three players, essentially. You're not 15 to 30 uh, in those positions. So certainly valid to do that. Um, Scott is interesting. I like Scott for one same reason. Basically, you're betting on that touchdown luck, but what it allows you to get around him Uh, at that point, it's very easy to build Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase lineups with Josh Allen and Christian McCaffrey, if that's the direction you want to go, you mm-hmm. can put those four players in a lineup incredibly easily if you play Boston Scott.
1: Right, and I, that's that's sort of the rationale there with, with Boston Scott. There's just not a lot of good pay down options at the running back position. So you can either pay up and limit yourself with the, at the receiver or at the quarterback position, or you can just take the chance on Boston Scott, or maybe maybe there's another pay down option you like, Mike. But th- there's there's not much here on a, on this four game slate. So I I thought the shot at Boston Scott uh, w- was uh, interesting at least. I, I'm I'm going to be playing him. I'll tell you that right now. On the Giants side, I do want to talk about the pass catches. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. Um, any thoughts on Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James? My thought before I even get to you is. This is not the Darius Slayton game. I, I, in fact, his his catch number is three and a half. I'm probably going on our prop show tomorrow. I very well could have the under there. Isaiah Hodgins, listen, he's great. And I'm always wrong on Isaiah Hodgins, but I don't play him. He's great and, and, and vice versa. But it does seem like a Richie James game. Because the Eagles, while they're great against the boundary receivers, they're not great against slot receivers unless Avante Maddox is back, which I don't suspect he will be back. It does seem like a Richie James game. And at 3,900, there's some value there. Are you just worried about the upside is is my question. And do you like any of the other pass catchers?
2: Yeah, so I do like Richie James. I'm definitely in agreement with you there. Uh, Slayton, absolutely not for me. Um, Hodgins, I think, is fine. The price point is certainly starting to get up there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd rather play Gabe Davis for a hundred dollars cheaper personally in in these particular matchups. So, um, I do like Richie James though. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to play Richie James. That's where I like my direct pivot to Kadarius Tony, who I'm projecting to be 2% owned. Um, I I don't think anyone's going to play Kadarius Tony. Uh, I think that everyone's going to play Richie James because Richie James is going to project three fantasy points higher for anyone looking at a projection set. Right. Um, I like them both. I have a lineup where I'm playing both of them together. Um, but yes, I, I do like Richie James. As of right now, like It looks Richie James is the only Giants pass catcher I'm playing. And the only other Giants player I'm playing is Saquon Barkley. And last
1: question before we get to uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo, Daniel Jones, you're making five lineups. Is he the quarterback in any of them? No. Gotcha. Um, not, not me either by the way. I mean, I love the rushing equity, but I just don't think this is the matchup for him. And don't, don't look for the downfield passing and just the wide open receivers that you saw last week against, um, who were they playing last week? Colgate. Who who was that? Was it it (laughs) Michigan state? They were playing last week. I'm not hundred percent sure. All right. So we do need to get to a couple of extremely interesting games. In my opinion, maybe the two most interesting games on the slate. That's of course, Cincinnati, Buffalo and Dallas at San Francisco. But before we do that, we are going to take a break and hear a word from our partners. We are back. This is Fantasy Football Today. DFS, that's Mike McClure. My name is Sia Najat, and we have a comment from Brandon Jones. He says, I love this show. Thanks to you guys, I won all four of my cash lineups last weekend. So before we get to the Bengals-Bills game, I got to say, so I was with Mike, I was with Frank Stample this weekend. He's down in South Florida. We got a chance to hang out with a bunch of the other um, CBS sports guys. Long story short, he told me this is his most most profitable NFL um, DFS year uh, of his life, and it's because... He played a ton of cash. And again, I just I have to stress that I know it's the playoffs and it's a little different conversation when it comes to cash versus uh, tournament lineups. But throughout the regular season, Mike, especially when I was doing the solo pod, I was hammering home and just trying to boldface how profitable cash games can be, especially in terms of maintaining your bankroll. And uh, I asked Frank, uh, you know, because I wasn't sure. I said, what was the ratio of cash versus GPP? week to week. And he said 75 cash, 75% cash in about 25% GPP. And again, this was his most profitable year. So take that, tuck it away for everybody listening. By the way, everybody listening, hit the like button right now if you can, but tuck that away because it's really important. It's really fun to play these big tournaments. It's really fun, but you got to play the cash games too. At least to me, at least 50 to 60% of your investment needs to be in these double ups. Or if you want to get into the head to head, that's fine. But I, I prefer the double ups personally. And uh, I just have to reiterate that point. By the way, Frank Stample came in inside the top six in both of our contests last week. By the way, that contest is live right now. So please, you can look at the link on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, the link is there for you to hit. We're trying to fill up 200 for for just this four-game slate. So make sure you get into that contest. Um, It's only five bucks. Okay, Bengals, plus five and a half at the Bills. It's a 48 and a half point total. The thing that really jumps out at me here, Mike, is the injuries across the Bengals' offensive line. I mean, Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Jonah Williams all appear to be out. I don't know that we have confirmation that all three of them are definitely out, but that's what it's trending like. And and with that, I just don't think – I mean, the Bills can create pressure even when they don't blitz. And I just don't think Burrow is going to have time to pass the ball downfield. That doesn't mean he's not going to have a lot of yards and a lot of completions. It doesn't mean Jamar Chase isn't going to catch a bunch of balls – but I do think there's implications to that. And I just wonder, for me, I love Jamar Chase because I think he's going to rack up the receptions. I guess my question for you is what are you thinking the, the game plan or what do you think, how does it play out on the Bengals side of the ball?
2: Yeah, I think life's going to be uh, pretty tough for Joe Burrow in this game, honestly. Uh, The Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL at putting pressure on the quarterback. I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to do so in this matchup. The biggest thing that you have to worry about, though, with a makeshift offensive line, and that's basically what it is here at this point, that's okay to have when you're playing at home. It's a lot easier to get the snap count off right and correct at that point. It becomes incredibly difficult when you're tired, when you're on the road, when you're in a more hostile environment. Um, yeah, I like Jamar Chase just through a volume standpoint. I think he's going to get a ton of short area targets as well. Um, the interesting thing with the press coverage with the Bills, it is able to be beat if there is time to throw. I don't think there will be enough time to throw, though, personally. So I think it's going to come down to can they have a player two that's huge that goes for a touchdown on a busted coverage? I think it's very, very possible. Uh, but my focus is most definitely on the Bills side. Absolutely love, love, love the Bills in this matchup. Before we get to the Bills, let me ask you, because, you know, Joe Mixon, he's at 6,500. He's he's
1: a no chance for me. I mean, just so incredibly inefficient, not doing enough in the passing game. But we've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who hasn't been doing much lately, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst. Are you interested in any of those guys?
2: Uh, no, I have zero of them uh, in my player pool. The right. only one in the player pool on the Sensi side is Jamar Chase. Uh, but, if, you know, full disclosure, I have really big positions on Buffalo this week. Really gotcha.
1: Yeah. So let's, and I'll say the only guy I'm playing so far in the in the two lineups I've built, but just I'm speculating for, for further lineups, it's probably just going to be Jamar Chase. If I'm taking a stab at a receiver, it's not going to be a receiver in this game. It's going to be one of the ones we already talked about that Mike referenced, like let's say a Kadarius Tony or a Richie James. You like the Buffalo side. I assume that means you like Josh Allen. And I assume you probably don't like the running backs too much against Cincinnati's like very good rush defense. But it sounds like you like Gabriel Davis. It sounds like you like Stephon Diggs. And I know you're a Dawson Knox guy. How are you playing that Bill side?
2: Yeah, Bill side. So Josh Allen is a quarterback I have the most. I have him more than Patrick Mahomes. I like both of them. Uh, I think Josh Allen runs a ton in this matchup, personally. Um, I'm stacking him, though, with Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. I uh, love both of those guys. The Buffalo Bills defense is by far my favorite defense of the slate.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so that's the stack that I have uh, in my optimal lineup. And it looks like when I run 20 in the first four of the 20, it has Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and the Bills D, all four of them. And in that lineup, is there a Cincinnati runback?
1: There is not. Wow. See, okay. So we talk about this. We've talked about it all year. That as much as you want to have a one back, sometimes it's not optimal. And in this case, um, you know, Mike's programs and, and his simulations don't think it's optimal. And I get it. And, and in that in that stack, it's hard to bring Jamar Chase back. Right. I mean, yeah. so you you'd almost have to take a stab at a low end receiver. But again, that low end receiver we can get with Kadarius Tony or Richie James or, or somebody of that ilk that's not in this game that can absolutely outscore any of those guys, any, anybody else to talk about on the Bills side, James cook as maybe a low end $4,800 option. I think he's interesting, but again, the Bengals run defense is pretty good, but still
2: James cook could have a day, right? He definitely could have a day. Uh, I like, he's got far more upside than Devin Singletary. I think the bills know that he's the better running back between the two. Um, so yes, I think cook, if you wanted to play a running back in this game is by far the most viable running back in this game. I think he could be treated very similar to Boston Scott uh, if you wanted to play something like that. Uh, I think it's certainly in play. However, I do think that Josh Allen takes a few more rushing attempts in this game. And um, yeah, I think this game, while a lot of people think it could be a massive shootout, I think it could be a little lower scoring.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. By the way, James Cook outtouched Singletary 12-10 to last game. He was trending that direction anyway, but he's certainly the more explosive back and and at this point is actually getting more touches than um the alleged starter here. So I think we can move on from this game. Everybody remember his favorite defense was the Buffalo Bills. So let's go over to, speaking of defenses, San Francisco's got a great defense. Well, parts yeah. of them are a great defense. They get to host the Dallas Cowboys, And they are four-point favorites. This has been trickling between four and three. It was, or I should say four and three and a half. It was three and a half all day yesterday. Now it's back up to four. I I personally think that's the proper number. I might even kick it up to four and a half personally. I, I like San Francisco a decent amount in this game. But I can't deny the fact that I think the Cowboys will be able to move the ball, especially via the passing game. Now, the Niners are really good against the run. But they allow a ton of splash plays in their secondary. And Dak, sometimes he can showcase some inefficiency. But... Mike, I think you might disagree with me here. I'm not sure just based on conversations earlier in the day, but I think Dak to CD is going to be a pretty valuable connection for the Cowboys. I think Dak to Dalton Schultz is going to be a valuable connection. I think some of these third string kind of receivers, I shouldn't say third string, but guys like T.Y. Hilton, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, I think they could all get involved too. I think Dak might have a day. I don't know that I'm willing to, to play him in DFS, but how are you feeling about this game on the Cowboys side?
2: Uh, not good on the Cowboys side, honestly. Uh, I, I think that, you know, much like the Giants, um, I, I think they're coming in a little inflated in this spot. They beat a team that, by pretty much every standard, was a below average NFL team that just happened to be in the playoffs uh, because of the mm-hmm. division they played in. Um, I think that this environment overall is a lot different for them to go into. The biggest thing is I think they'll have zero success running the football. Uh, I think it puts Dak in some third and long, some more of the uncomfortable situations. The real question here is, do they bracket CeeDee Lamb? Do they try to double him uh, and simply make someone else beat them, whether it is Dalton Schultz, whether it is Noah Brown, Michael Gallup, uh, one of the backs out of the backfield? but I, I do think that it could be difficult for them. I like the unders on Dak, um, not remotely close to playing him in DFS. He would be, I think he's probably the worst value for me in terms of all the quarterbacks. I think he would be the number eight quarterback out of all of them playing.
1: And CD Lamb, what are your thoughts there?
2: I don't mind CD Lamb. Uh, look, I, I think that CD Lamb is capable of paying off his price tag on two big plays in this game. Um, so th- I'm way less likely to fade CD Lamb than I am to fade someone like Dak. I think that he could still certainly get his on, on, on any given play. Um, I'm not playing him over Stefan Diggs. I'm not playing him over Jamar Chase. If you want to play him in addition to those two, I think it's fine. I think it's okay to speculate and, and play a ceiling game on him over those two. Um, I don't think it's going to pay off for you in this particular matchup. So I'm not going to do it. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on. I'm not. I'm not playing as unders or anything like that in the betting market. But uh, I'm
1: off C.D. Lamb. Yeah, and for the record, his betting number in terms of receiving yards is 77 and a half yards. And I'll tell you guys, full disclosure. I mean, I referenced a different sports line pick, which I didn't actually give out, but I referenced it. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm on Dax over of 250, 250 and a half yards. It's up to 253, 255 and a half. I'm um, not a super high number. So the fact that I'm on the over doesn't necessarily mean he's a great DFS play, but I'm just putting it out there th- so that everybody knows I like Dak a little bit more than Mike likes Dak. I like CD lamb a little bit more than, than Mike likes CD lamb, but um, I agree with him that Dak's probably not going to be in any of my, my tournament lineups. So um, I'm okay there. I do like CD lamb. I think Dalton Schultz is interesting. There's other tight ends. I like a little bit better. We talked about some of them, Evan Ingram, for example, But it's the other side of the ball that has a lot of intrigue for me, Mike. Uh, You know, I I like Christian McCaffrey, but I don't love Christian McCaffrey because Dallas is pretty good against running backs. But Debo Samuel, I I really, really like at 5,900. And I I can envision a scenario where I have a Brock Purdy stack with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel with some sort of run back on the other side, let's say a CeeDee Lamb. I'm saving a lot of money on Brock Purdy. Debo is not price prohibitive. How do you feel about any of that?
2: I like it. Uh, I like it quite a bit. I think that Debo is probably the most interesting piece here, uh, especially if this game gets more competitive than, than I think it will be. For example, like if we think this game super competitive, they're neutral or trailing game script at any time. Uh, they're going to put the football in Debo's hands quite a bit. It's going to be mm-hmm. a, a lot trying to get McCaffrey involved, but it's certainly going to be Debo. Uh, you look back at that Seattle game, he ran the ball three times, which is always a positive sign to see him taking carries. Um, He's just got so much upside. So I think the interesting question becomes, what are our thoughts on like Bo over McKinnon? I know they play different positions, but if you've got other running backs you like, or you're willing to play Boston Scott or one of those other guys, I think that Debo and then Debo versus Christian Kirk, right? Because of the price point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the Debo side.
1: Yeah, I I like the Debo side quite a bit, too. I mean, part of it is we know what Dallas can do defensively. It's the pass rush that really can destroy an offense. Their secondary, not so much. And I I just feel like with Kyle Shanahan, and I think Dallas is expecting this, but it's one thing to expect it. It's another thing to be able to prevent it. And I think the short area passing game and just the quick outs and, and the potential yards after catch with guys like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, of course you can make the same arguments for George Kittle and uh, Brandon Ayuk. But but I think it's Debo and CMC that get featured more than anybody in the short area passing game. So that's kind of where I'm going with that. Uh, anybody else on the San Francisco side that you like?
2: Um, not a ton. I, I think that the, the one guy that you could mention is Brandon Ayuk. He, he tends to catch a few big balls over the middle, but it's it's not something I'm going to get to. I don't think a ton of people are going to play him. I think that there's more obvious value in guys like Gabe Davis, Jay Jones, things like that. But mm-hmm. I do think he's got some big playability. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly Debo and McCaffrey for me in this game.
1: Okay. You know what I think it's time for? Garrett, how am I doing on time? We still have like five, six minutes to go based on our the, the timeline we just randomly set for ourselves. And so I think, Mike – I think it's time to go for your core four, and I'm, I'm going to add my core four as well, because why, why the hell not, right? Mike, uh, let's talk about, me. because just so everybody knows, if, if you're new to the show, what we like to do is we like to give out Mike's top three at each position, and then what we do is our cheat sheet. Well, now that we've kind of you know we, we've narrowed down to only so many games, so doing the top three doesn't make a lot of sense, because there's just going to be way too many players in that pool of people, and doing the cheat sheet doesn't make a lot of sense for the same reason. So what we did last week, what we're going to do this week, is Mike's core four, And then we're going to do my core four, and then we're going to get out of here. So, Mike, let's talk about your core four.
2: All right. Uh, We're going to start. There's two tight ends in the core four. Uh, Surprise, surprise. We play double tight ends pretty much every week here. Uh, Dallas Goddard going to be number one in the core four. I think this is an incredible spot for him against the Giants. Uh, Definitely a little pass funnel to the tight end position. I think that Jalen Hurts is going to lean on that quite a bit uh, in this particular matchup. Number two for me is going to be Gabe Davis. I love the price point on Gabe Davis, 4,800. I I think this is a great, great spot for him against Cincinnati. Uh, I love the bills to roll in this game. So I'm going with him. Stefan Diggs, the top wide receiver of choice for me. Great price point, 7,700 makes a lot of sense. Again, very, very heavy on the bills. And then number four, Evan Ingram. I saw the question in the chat, double tight end with Goddard and Ingram. Yes, that is the direction that I am going this week. Uh, love Evan Ingram in here. I think he's a great bring back on anything Kansas City related. I don't think you even need a game stack to be considering him bring back. If you're playing McKinnon, you're playing just Patrick Mahomes, whoever it may be. Uh, I like the opportunity ahead for Evan Ingram.
1: All right. Before I get to my core four, I, Garrett has a question about Tony Pollard. We didn't actually address Tony Pollard. Of course, we're not playing Zeke, but Tony Pollard is interesting and and. and... Garrett's question is kind of geared towards a potential negative game script and getting targets there, which is certainly possible. He doesn't get as many targets as I would like. He's not, And that's partly because he's not on the field as much as I'd like. But do you like Pollard in this matchup at all? Obviously, San Fran Fran is very good against the running back, but Tony Pollard is explosive against anybody. How do you feel about him?
2: Yeah, he's explosive against anybody. Um, I don't mind it. I I think that the scenario i do it is just a direct pivot from Jarek McKinnon, and you're just betting he doesn't land in the end zone uh, while you, you are betting on Pollard essentially landing in the end zone. I think it's possible he sees eight targets in this game, catches six of them, maybe 40 yards, you know, gets you to your 10 to 11 fantasy points. I think it's an incredibly big uphill battle for a 20 fantasy point game from Tony Pollard.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair.
2: All right, let's get to my core four. Um, Mike, I'm gonna start with
1: CeeDee Lamb, who I do think is gonna have a big game. I- I'm expecting somewhat of fireworks in this in this Dallas-San Francisco game. I think I agree with you that Dallas is, is over overpriced and, and just overvalued coming off that game against Tampa, who shouldn't have been in the playoffs. But I also think they can push the ball against San Francisco's defense. I mean, I recall what Jared Stidham did against them. And I understand that's just a yeah. one-game sample size. But I do think Dak is at a point where even if he has some of those Dak inefficiencies and turns the ball over, all the better for the passing game and Dak and CeeDee Lamb. So I like CeeDee Lamb at 7,300. Uh, Debo Samuel at 5,900, I just think is tremendous value. So I, I, I'm all over that. I understand the volume. Could be an issue with Debo, but it's the playoffs. I think Debo and CMC are kind of the guys that are going to touch the ball the most outside of Brock Purdy. CMC is my third guy in there. Very expensive. But my fourth guy is Zay Jones, who's a nice little pay down option. And Debo is not super expensive either. So it's CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Zay Jones at 4700 Those are my core four. If anybody has any questions for Mike and I, please go ahead and and message us on Twitter or, or just send a send a tweet out and and ask us whatever you want. And one of us will definitely try to get back to you. But Mike, anything else to like anything else to wrap up this show, any, any
2: insight I missed, any questions I didn't ask. Uh, no, I I think that, uh, the Bengals and the Bengals ownership will be very interesting. Um, I think there are very strong opinions on both sides clearly. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the most fascinating game of the season so far, of the postseason, uh, just in terms of overall market movement. The game opened three and a half. It's currently five and a half. Uh, Despite a little over 72% of the betting tickets being on the Cincinnati side, uh, we've seen some pretty significant movement the other way.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So that's sharp movement. That's big money coming in on the bills, right?
2: Yeah, we're looking at about 65% 65% of the money on the bills while 70 to 75% of the actual tickets on the Sensi side.
1: Yeah, that that tells a a pretty pretty clear story there. Okay. Mike, and by the way, if you want to listen to Mike's content or read it, you read it on Sportsline, but he uh, he's already done a podcast with RJ White with John with the coach and who and Larry Harstein the maestro, uh, and you can find that in your pod in your Early Edge podcast feed and we'll be doing Early Edge shows all weekend for the primetime game. So everybody check that out. Make sure you're subscribed to the Early Edge. But this, this right here is Fantasy Football Today DFS. And this has been your NFL DFS Divisional Round Preview. Ask us any questions you got. But for now, we are out of here. That's Mike McCourt. Thank you, Mike. My name is Sia job This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. And we'll see you next time.